Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Father, thank you for today. Jesus, we so love you. Thank you for your presence that's here. Lord, we just pray that you would continue to move upon our hearts. And uh, Holy Spirit, just do what you do best. And that's open up the word of life and just uh, release heaven upon us today. In Jesus' name, amen. A few weeks ago during our Wednesday night discipleship experience that we call Cultivate here at the church, many of you guys are a part of that, uh, we talked about one of the misconceptions so many people have concerning sin is that they tend to look at it as an issue of right and wrong. Now, I don't know about you, but when I became a Christian, I continually heard things like this, Quentin, don't do that because that's wrong, or Quentin, do this because it's right. Anybody ever been there? Yes. So listen, while those statements weren't necessarily incorrect, I've come to learn biblically that sin isn't an issue of right and wrong as much as it is an issue of life and death. So that is why Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 says this. It says, today I have given you the choice between life and death. It doesn't say between right and wrong. It says between life and death, between blessing and curses. It says, now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Now, the illustration we used and Cultivate the other night uh, to help drive this truth home is this. If you can, think about your uh, vehicle for a moment. When you guys purchase either your car or your truck, uh, it came with an owner's manual. Can somebody say owner's manual? Listen, if you pull that owner's manual out and you begin to read it, you'll find that the engineers who designed and built the vehicle you own not only gave you a manual to inform you of the many features that your vehicle has, like uh, the radio, the Bluetooth audio system, right, the AC, the power windows, et cetera, et cetera. Depends on how fancy your car is, I guess, right? Uh, but they also gave it to you so that you would know how to best maintain the vehicle that you have. In other words, so you can do what you need to do so it'll keep running. So, for example, in my owner's manual of my fancy Toyota Highlander out there, on page uh, number 555, the engineers who designed my vehicle uh, tell me that basically if I want my engine to actually run properly, then I will be required to put gasoline in the gas tank. Now, obviously, uh, after reading that, I can argue with those engineers and tell them, uh, you know, they're not going to tell me what I'm going to do. Because in my opinion, there's uh, nothing wrong, we'll say, with putting water in my gas tank. Listen, uh, because for one, it is way cheaper. And secondly, it is my car, so I can do what I want to with it. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. Look, but the problem with that line of stupidity, let me say that line of thinking we should say, right, is that the engineers of my car have designed and created to run best off of what? Gasoline, right? Which means putting gasoline or putting water into my car is not so much about what we should consider to be right or wrong as much as it is about life and death. Because, listen, it doesn't take rocket science to understand that gasoline will produce life in my car's engine, whereas, guess what, water will produce death in my car's engine. So, just kind of quick question. Does this fact mean that the engineers are somehow trying to make my life more difficult because they won't let me use water? 
Absolutely not. Right? Quite the opposite. They are trying to help me understand what will make my vehicle operate at the highest level that it was designed to function at. Is that true? So here's the point. Is if we realize it or not, we all have an engineer. Right? His name is God. We didn't design and create ourselves. He is the one who designed and created us in his own image, which means that he alone knows what will and will not help us function and operate to the fullest of our potential. Right? And it's within these pages of uh, right, the Bible, our owner's manual, if you will. Right, He tells us not so much about what is right or wrong as much as how life and how death can enter into our lives. Is that true? Listen, one of those ways is by which paths, right, which path we choose to walk down. Listen to Proverbs 12, 28. It says the way, or we can say it this way, the choices of the godly leads to what? Life. And then it says that path, in other words, those right choices do not lead or does not lead to death. Now, I think this morning with that knowledge in mind that we would all agree, if we take a step back and look at our past experiences, we would find that it is true exactly what Deuteronomy 30 and Proverbs 12 says, that is by our choices and by the paths that we have chosen to walk down that have determined if we've either uh, enjoyed God's life, right, or, we, or if we've endured death, right, in our lives. So once again, as you can see, the decisions we make in this life aren't so much uh, so about what's right and what's wrong. Are y'all with me? All right, listen, with all that said, uh, I've thought about this biblical truth, and, I, and I've also come to the realization that there's another layer to this that I hope we'll all consider today. So that's just kind of intro, right? And that's this, that when we choose God's life, we also choose freedom. And when we choose death, we are actually choosing bondage. Listen, I know that's kind of a no-brainer for us, but if you can, hang in here with me. Romans 8.20 connects the dots in these two worlds for us. It says this. It says, and because you belong to him, anybody thankful you belong to him? It says, the power of the what? Life-giving spirit has what? Has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The point that I want to simply uh, just acknowledge here is this, is that in this verse and many others like them, uh, we find that God's life and freedom are inseparable. So, but here's the question I have for you guys today, and this is kind of give us some direction. Uh, in spite of what we all know to be true and in spite of what Paul wrote here, could it still be possible for a born-again believer who is on their way to heaven to remain in bondage because they don't fully understand the freedom Jesus provided for them through the death, burial, and resurrection? The, the answer is absolutely, 1,000% yes, right? Uh, but, but, but have we ever stopped to actually ask ourselves, why is that the case? Like, why do good-hearted men, good-hearted women remain in bondage? Even though their eternity is set, why do they remain in bondage in their lives? Now, you may disagree with what I'm about to say, and that's fine, but, but I honestly believe one of the main reasons more Christians don't experience the complete freedom that Jesus has provided for them. Let me maybe stop there. Do you understand that there's nothing in your life that he has not provided freedom for? Right? Like there's nothing bigger than him. Okay? So freedom is available in every area of your lives. And so I want to just say again, I believe one of the main reasons more Christians don't experience the complete freedom Jesus has provided for them is due to their misperception of, for lack of better words, God's rules. Hang with me for a moment, okay? I think, you know, it's true that there's not one of us in this room that wasn't raised to obey the rules. 
Think about it. When we were kids, our parents gave us rules at home, right? When we went to school, the teacher gave us rules to follow. When we started to drive, we actually had to take a test to prove that, guess what, we uh, knew the rules of the road, right? If you grew up playing sports, you had to play by the rules, right? As we've gotten older and had to learn how to comply, we've had to learn how to comply with the rules of our local and national government. Now, listen, I don't know about you, um, and I don't know how all of those rules made you feel. Uh, I know that there's people who just love the rules, and I'm sure there's some of those strange people in this room right now, right? Uh, but I will readily admit to you, I am not one of those guys. I do not like rules, right? Uh, the, the fact that I spent uh, 32 hours of detention and got suspended for three days in my 11th grade year of high school would prove I don't like the rules. Uh, you, you know, the fact that, you know, as soon as I got to Bible college, uh, you know, my pastor pulled me into his office and he asked me one question. He said, Quentin, why do you act like the rules don't apply to you? That's proof that I don't like the rules, right? Um, but, but I will say this to my defense. It wasn't that I was trying to be rebellious against authority. I just had a hard time understanding why, for example, uh, skipping school, being late for curfew was such a big deal. Like... Don't get it, right? It, right? So anyways, so listen, y'all may laugh at me, but the reality is to this day, um, I don't have a difficult time with rules, at least the ones that make sense. Right? See, this is my problem. If, if there's a good explanation or a good why behind a rule, I can get on board with it. Right? But if it's just another rule for the sake of another rule, I'm probably going to be kicking and screaming on, the, screaming on the inside thinking about how stupid it really is. See, see, for me, the aha moment came in this. Uh, you know, a few years ago, I started, uh, you know, kind of with Miss Vicki Corrington, you know, whatever, started trying to figure out my personality type, all those things. How can I become a better leader? You know, how's my personality work with interacting with people? And as I was studying, I discovered that the reason I struggle with those kind of rules is, is because, please don't miss this, if I don't know why a rule exists, basically then I perceive it as a threat that's trying to take away my freedom. So what happens is, is I buck against it. And I'm going to step out on a limb here and say that I'm probably not the only person in the room that's ever felt like uh, some rule was trying to hinder my freedom. Anybody with me? So here's the point I'm trying to make. This thought process can be applied to our parents, it can be applied to our teachers, our bosses, our government, and guess what, guys? Yes, even our God. The, the reality is on the inside of us, there's still this little kid that wants to know why behind the rules, including the ones that God's given us, right? And when we don't understand why he is telling us to do something, we not only perceive it as something that hinders our freedom uh, that we receive through Christ, but here's the God honest truth. Please don't miss this. Is that not only when we go, well, I don't understand it, but when we don't understand it as people, human nature, we choose not to obey it. And that, my friend, is why we remained in bondage unnecessarily. It really boils down to this. Do I trust God? Can I submit to God? And can I obey God? Okay, but I want to take a step back for a moment. Uh, have we ever considered that our freedom, that our freedom might be the whole reason behind his divine rules? I'll say that again. Have we ever considered that our freedom might be the whole reason behind his divine rules, even the ones we don't like. And I can say especially the ones we don't like, because if we don't like them, there's a problem in us, because it's not with him. All right, so for the next few minutes, I want to try to unpack this challenge that so many of us struggle with and trying to reconcile in our minds how God actually uses his divine rules 
to bring us into and keep us in a place called freedom. To do so, I'm going to give you two verses here. First, let's look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.17. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Notice this next part. Not just liberty, but emancipation from bondage, true freedom. So what does this mean? It means that when God enters into our lives, if you're born again, he's come and made his home in you, right? We were singing about it a while ago. And when that happens, we should experience freedom or the freedom he brings because freedom is a part of his nature and he actually wants us to experience his nature. Am I making sense? Yet at the same time, we see Jesus, who we know is God in the flesh, telling us things like this. So one side we see freedom. Then we read verses like this, John 14, 15. Jesus said, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. Or we could say, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my rules. Now listen, I could be wrong, but this is where I think the misconception comes into play. This is where I think our wires get crossed. Because on one hand, it appears like God wants us to be free. And on the other hand, he's trying to tell us what to do and what not to do. Like always. So, listen, what would seem like a contradiction, uh, you know, when, when we look at that, it could be a head-scratcher if you don't know God's heart or his purpose. You see, in my experience, when believers find themselves in this head-scratching moment, if you will, it is their natural response to either do two things. Number one, they will either embrace the rules as if keeping them were the totality of what Christianity is all about and slapping the word holiness on it, Right? Or they will do what, number two, they'll reject the rules as being unimportant and they'll stamp it with the word grace. Y'all tracking? The, the first ones make everything about the rules, call it holiness. The other ones ignore the rules and call it grace. Okay? So the problem with these responses are this. The first one carries this. The first one carries an attitude that says, uh, I'm going to measure my spiritual success by how well I jump through the religious hoops and how well I check the religious boxes. Because as long as I, keyword, perform well enough by keeping all the rules, God and I are okay. Most of us were taught that, right? And and so, but the problem is, is this attitude doesn't stop there because uh, not only do we end up measuring ourselves by the rules, but we also judge other people's relationship with God by the rules as well. And that is how a pharisaical, legalistic Christian is born, right? And so the major problem with this viewpoint is it turns God the Father into God the slave master uh, that we fear in a very unhealthy way. And the outcome is, is guess what? You guessed it, it is bondage. So to counteract this response, Apostle Paul wrote this in Romans 8, 15. He said, for you did not receive, when you were born again, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Well, that blows that attitude right out the water. He says, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Watch this. And the problem with the second response, right? In other words, we ignore everything and we call it grace. It it carries an attitude that says this. And, And listen, when I say this, you may be whatever, but I have heard these words come out of people's mouths more times than once. They'll say this, God didn't really mean don't do that. His rules are just for people who don't have the level of maturity and common sense that I have. I've heard it. I had a pastor tell me that one time. Listen, they'll say, I'm different than other people because I have a free relationship with God. Besides, he knows my heart. The problem is, is this, is when we have this kind of attitude, we can get 
deceived into thinking that whatever we do, right, in the name of liberty, right, like we do whatever we desire, we think whatever we do is, uh, we desire is liberty, uh, when in all reality, what happens is it leads us into a trap, right, of the enemy. And what's the outcome when you hit the trap of an enemy? You guessed it once again, is back to bondage. Am I making sense, y'all? So to counter this response, this is what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 6. He says this. He says, well then, since God's grace, remember that thing that they stamp it with. (laughs) Since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Notice the exclamation mark. I just didn't want to scream at you. He says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Like, hear that. Right? It says you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching. Or we can say, but now you wholeheartedly obey these rules we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Here's my point. We're going to land this soon. If these scriptures show us that true freedom isn't found in making everything about the rules, but at the same time it isn't found what in ignoring the rules, then just maybe freedom is found in that happy, balanced middle. Yes? That's where God wants us to live, y'all. He's a really balanced God. So listen, it's in that balanced middle we discover this truth. So think for a second. When God gave the Israelites, which is his people, the Ten Commandments, that's where if you, if you step out into the world and you ask basically what's God's rules, they're going to speak to the Ten Commandments, right? So this is like, man, the rules of all rules, right? So when God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments, they were just beginning their first experience with freedom. Listen, these guys had been slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years, which means generations lived and died within a slave culture. In other words, for generations, all they knew was bondage. That was until we know that God sent who? Moses, a deliverer, right? Who led them out of the bondage of slavery. So with that in mind, uh, I just want you to think about for a second, if that's all you've known, think about how they must have felt when they were finally set free from the bondage of slavery. Like, listen, I'm sure it was exhilarating. Like, that, I mean, in fact, go back and read. They danced. They, they even wrote a song, Spontaneous, right there. Miriam did it, right? And a million people got down with it, a million plus. But, but listen, but more than likely, that excitement quickly went away as they were faced with new obstacles and issues like this. And this is kind of maybe a poor description, but you'll get the idea. In other words, it's like they went from, woo, we're free, to now they're asking, how should I live? Like, how do I own land and animals and possessions? And what do I do if someone tries to come and take my land, my animals, my possession, or my wife, right? Uh, What do I do if I don't like someone? What do I do if I don't agree with someone? Because y'all realize we don't agree with everybody, right? Listen, the point is is this, is, is freedom was a new concept to every single person that basically came under the banner of an Israelite, Right? And listen, and without God's guidance, there's no doubt that they would have soon returned to bondage again. Is that true? Left to their own demise, they would return. And here's why. Because they were like us. Even though they wanted to be free, slavery to sin felt the most natural. Like, can we admit that today? Like, slavery to sin feels the most natural. 
Pride feels a whole lot more natural than humility. Lust feels a whole lot more natural than purity. True or not true? Going down your list, right? Screaming and hollering at people, showing them north with your middle finger, right? All those things feel more natural, right, than just being nice and sweet, right? Maybe it's for you. Listen, so listen, it was in the middle of that chaos God decided to step in by reminding them of this. We're almost done. Y'all hang with me. By reminding them of who he is and where they just came from. I want you to see this verse here in Exodus 20, verse 2. So, so once again, freedom, oh junk, now what do we do with our lives? And then the Lord speaks. I am the Lord your God, that's who I am, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. That's where I just brought you from. And then when you read the next 15 verses, literally from Exodus 20, verse 3, to Exodus 20, verse 17, you'll find that God gave them the Ten Commandments or the Ten Rules to help them learn how to live in freedom or live in the freedom he just gave them. Are y'all catching this? Listen, it's so neat because if you look at them, their first four deal directly with them and their relationship with God. The last six tell them how to get along with each other. And so you see it's this, is that these guys needed to know that only one God should be worshipped because he didn't want them to return to the bondage of other gods. Right? They, like he wanted them to know that they need to respect and to have respect for others' lives, property, and families so that everyone in their community could enjoy the newfound freedom. Like he wanted them to know, guess what, that stealing and cheating and lying would only put them back into a bondage of selfish desires. Are you seeing God's heart and his purpose here? And it just means this. Guys, I'm simple. I think about it like this. Man, if that's what God for them, did for them, then what makes us think he's not going to do the same for us? Right? We all know that Egypt is a, is a spiritual representation of the world. Right? We have a deliverer. His name is Jesus. He came and rescued us from that. And he set us free. And now, guess what? If we're left to our own demise and wonder, right? That's why. Have you, have you ever met a Christian? I say that so loosely. Have you ever met a person that's accepted Jesus but has never read the Bible? They are a mess. Right? They're all over the place. And they may, they may even be super hyper-spiritual but, man, they are a mess. And the reason is because they were left to their own demise, their own mind, their own desires to figure out what they think is right and wrong, if you will, of what really brings life and death, right, uh, freedom and bondage. And most of the time they go right into some kind of weirdness, and it's most of the time it's some kind of bondage. Am I making sense? All right. So with that said, here's kind of my hope, I think, for today is that in spite of how so many people view pieces of the Bible uh, just in a negative way, in other words, they have this negative view towards God's rules, like if we could stop and understand that he's no different from the engineers we talked about earlier, right? Like he didn't give us rules uh, try to make our lives more difficult. Rather, he gave us rules to help us live to the fullness of what he created us for, right? So my hope is, is that this, is that uh, when God tells us to do something or not to do something, that we would understand it's because he set us free and he wants us to remain free. So listen, so as we're growing in our faith, because we are, as we get uh, more mature in our faith, I think we should actually consider God's rules and God's commandments through the lens of this. Important questions here is this, is how would this rule help me get free from bondage? Y'all look at me, please. Most of the time when there's something in the Bible that rubs us wrong, it's because we have a bondage we need to get free from. Okay, so to ask, man, why is this thing messing with me so bad? Maybe I need freedom there. Right? And then to ask this, man, how would observing this rule protect the freedom I have? 
Like, do you realize that? That this book is full of things that God is trying to say, look, I'm trying to protect what I've gave, given you. Right? Listen, it's because the truth, here's the truth, is that until we can understand God's rules in the context of freedom, we won't keep them for the right reason. Right? Uh, we, we have a lady in our life, she says this, basically that rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And so until we can understand God's rule in the context of freedom, we will not keep them for the right reason. And we won't be able to help others find the freedom that God's trying to offer them. Right? But when we understand his loving purpose in giving us the rules, guess what? We can obey for the right reason. And we can even be excited about helping other people find freedom. Yeah? I want us to read a, a verse together. And uh, I typically don't do this, but hey, we've been doing it on Wednesday night. So this is Galatians 5.1. In fact, can, can we just read it out loud together? Are you all right with that? All right, one, two, three. Here we go. Let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Man, what an incredible verse, right? Let me be clear that Jesus has set us free, right? Not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. So whatever freedom you need today, man, it's available. And to understand that we must always cherish this truth and stubbornly. In other words, man, if you want to use some stubborn, hard-headed mainness, like here's the place to use it, right? Oh, yeah, smile at me. It's all right, right? Listen, refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Man, he said it's free. Why would we, man, the Bible says it's like a dog returned to its own vomit. Why would we want to go back? Amen? If you can, just close your eyes for a second, please. I feel like Jesus wants to do something. So if you can, just close your eyes, please. If you can, just focus on him. I want you to just simply begin to ask the Lord, Lord, is there any area that you're wanting to bring freedom in my life at this moment? Don't overcomplicate it. Typically what comes to your mind immediately is the right thing. And our natural, respo our natural response typically is to excuse that or defend it. So, Lord, is there any area that you want to bring freedom in my life right now? And ask yourself if you can, just say, God, can you show me in your word? where that's true. In other words, why I should be free there. for motivation for yourself just kind of say man Lord do I really want life or do I want death in that area of my life
for you guys that are men in the room uh, and you have a family, please realize you're the gatekeeper. What you let in your home through you affects everyone. So you have a great responsibility that God's trusted you with. It's way more than just can you put food on the table. So the question there is do you want your family to have life or death, freedom or bondage? a favor just in your own heart with the Lord just just simply say Father I surrender that thing to you if you need to repent of something feel free to repent of it it may be a deep dark sin or secret or it may just be something simple of man I'm just I'm not working as hard as I should I'm not serving I'm not loving I'm not I haven't forgave. I mean, it could be a thousand things. I just ask the Lord to forgive you. It's in forgiveness where we receive the freedom. just kind of ask the Lord if he will help you to walk in that freedom and remain in that freedom and give the Holy Spirit permission to literally pull you one way or pull you the other way so you can remain in freedom. just with every eye closed today let me just say this if you have never asked the Lord doesn't matter if you're 15 or if you're 100, 105 in this room if you've never asked Jesus to come and be your deliverer to come and save you be the Lord of your life if you've never asked him to come and yank you literally out of your mess to save you I would encourage you to do so today it's really simple to understand that Jesus died for you. He died for you so that your sins could be forgiven, yes, but so greater than that so you could reconnect with the Father. But you got a Heavenly Father that loves you more than you'll ever know. And there's this simple thing of just simply of repenting, which means turning away from our sins. And we ask God to forgive us of our sins. So basically we can come back home to the Father, the one who created us. Tell you what, church, if y'all could just kind of help me out here. I don't need to see a hand. I don't need, I just know what I feel in my heart. So just pray with me if you can. Say, Father, come on, pray with me, church. Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. And I confess my sin. I confess, come on church, I confess that I've tried to live my life in my own way and I've made a mess of it. But Jesus, today, I turn to you 
with a surrendered heart. And I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to set me free from any stronghold, from any bondage that might be in my life. And I ask you today to fill me with your spirit to overflowing. Come on, say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. That you did die for me. And on the third day, on the third day, you resurrected for me. So that I could have a life with you and the Father and the Holy Spirit. So I receive that forgiveness and that life today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Let me pray for y'all. Father, I thank you for every person that's here. Lord, I thank you for your presence and your anointing. Father, I pray that you would begin to do only what you can do supernaturally. God, that you would reach down in each one of our hearts. God, in things that have hooked on, on us literally for years that have kept us bound. Lord, I pray that every one of those things would be broken off us today in Jesus' name. That there would be a release. That true freedom in the spirit would come. God, I pray for freedom with old mindsets freedom with old attitudes, freedom and old emotions. God, I thank you for setting us free, spirit, soul, and body today in Jesus' name. And Father, I ask God that when we leave this place, God, that we'd be willing not to drag our feet, not act like a child that's got to understand why every five seconds. But Lord, we would surrender our hearts. We would trust you with our hearts. And we'd gladly obey. And we'd say, Lord, whatever you say, God, I'm in. I'll do it. I'll do it because I know you have the best for me. So, Lord, thank you once again for the freedom that you've given us through Jesus. And thank you for protecting our freedom. Thank you for protecting our freedom even when, even when we don't protect it ourselves. So, Jesus, today I bless your people, God, to walk in everything that you've designed and created them to be. So, Lord, I thank you today, God, that everything that you've deposited in them is coming to fruition. God, that they are literally living the life that you desire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we, can we just, what's that? Yeah. The, the first lady is coming. When he was talking, I just got this picture. And I, I'm not, you know, we've only lived here for five years, so I'm not super familiar with all of the weeds and burrs and stuff like that. But um, where I grew up in Oregon, Idaho, we had sand burrs, like all kinds of stickers and things that would just get you know, they'd poke you, but it would also get stuck in the animal's hair. And so when he was talking, I just like saw this picture of a dog with like just a bunch of burrs just all in the wool, you know? And if you've ever seen an animal like that and you're trying to get them out, it's like you finally get one out and then you're like staring at the, you know, 50 more that's on there. And it's like, oh my goodness, this is impossible, you know? And I almost just like saw it in like how he's talking about sin and bondages and things that from making wrong choices, maybe crawling under the bush instead of going around it or whatever, like that we just have all these things that just attach onto us. And pretty soon it's like, man, there's not just one. It's like all of this. And it's like impossible to get it out. And in our own strength, we like try, okay, well, if I really carefully, like you can get this one, but then it's like, oh man, you know, all these other things. And it just seems impossible, you know? But if you invite the Lord to come in, like we've done this morning, um, you know, if, take that animal for instance to handpick each one out is like sorry Charlie 
get out the clippers, you know, and you just give them a, a shearing, if you would, and it, it clips away their hair, but it clips away all those burrs and all those ugly things that have attached to them. And sometimes God has to do a buzzing, if you would, a shearing away. And when you invite him to do that, it can be uncomfortable. Yeah, there's a freedom because, oh, wow, I'm not getting poked anymore, but it's like, oh, wow, I'm like super exposed now. Like, where did my hair go? You know, like even a dog, when you shave its hair off, it'll kind of, you know, have its tail between its leg for a couple days until it finally like, okay, I'm all right. I'm still alive, you know? And so I just, you know, if you invite God into the process of cleaning you, <laughs> removing all those burrs and all those things that have attached themselves to your, to your life over the years and kind of strips you down, it's okay. <laughs> you might feel uncomfortable a little bit because that's become like who you were or part of what you wore all the time. And so there might be a little bit of an awkwardness because now you're kind of out of your comfort zone. But I want to encourage you to stick it out right? Because it's a good place to be in and you're in safe care. Okay. Because, um, God, like, like he says, you know, these things aren't to like embarrass us or to make us feel out there or whatever, but it's because he cares for us and he knows best on our own. You know, if we work really, really, really hard, we can get one or two gone. Right. But God can just come and clean the slate and it's going to feel good. It's going to feel a little different. But if you just keep walking hand in hand with him, pretty soon you're going to grow into who he says you are. <laughs> you know, your, your wool is going to grow back out, so to speak, you know, but it's going to be in a fresh and a beautiful way. Amen. All right. Good word. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.